Hey there, and welcome to the FBCA College Podcast. My name is Connor Torrialba, and I'm the college minister here at First Baptist Church Arlington. This podcast is a recording of our teaching times that happen every Thursday at 7.30 at the Student Center on our campus. Last week, we looked at Galatians 5, through 26, and focused in on the fruit of the Spirit. And our big idea was that the fruit of the Spirit is not so much a checklist for our lives, but rather a description for what our lives could look like if we walked by the Spirit. I'd encourage you to go check out that episode if you haven't listened already. This week, we had Katie Reed Hodges as our guest teacher to walk us through John chapter 15. We talked about what it means to be connected to God and in turn be fruitful with our lives. Katie was the college minister before me and still works at the church as our minister of congregational life, which she talks about a bit during her lesson. It was really great to have her with us. I hope that you find this lesson helpful. Well, okay. Um, thank you all for having me. Thanks, Connor, for the invite. Like Connor said, I was at one point the college minister right here in this room. Um, I started in 2015. I navigated us through COVID, which were mostly all in youth group during COVID. High school is a rough time. It was a weird time, right? We did it together. I met along the way, Jenna and Paige and Josh. I think that's the faithful remnant of what you, you were there. Y'all came when I was, uh, my, what we knew then was my last year. Anyway, and so it's good to be back and I'm grateful to be here. So, okay, I want to get a little bit about me just so you know who's talking to you and who you're kind of interacting with tonight. So, like I said, my name is Katie Hodges. I'm still at the church. My title and my role, it's called Congregational Life, which is an odd name, but it basically means that I oversee all our pastoral care and then some other stuff. And so if people in, the, in our church, including y'all, come up against a rough spot, maybe someone dies, you have a crisis in your life, uh, we do grief share and cancer support, divorce care, all those things. And so I oversee all those, and we have a great team of people that do it, but that's how I spend my days now, is overseeing that kind of thing. Um, but I like hanging out with y'all, and I'm glad to do it. So, okay, a little bit about me. This is who I am. I grew up in Central Texas in a little town called Franklin. Anybody? Anybody? Nope. Okay, it's around College Station, and it's small. And then I went from there to Stephen F. Austin. You know, I got friends at SFA, you know SFA. So I went to SFA. I'd grown up Methodist. I was Christian, but y'all all know this. When you get to college, you have, you have to make a decision for yourself if you're still going to be Christian, right? And I don't mean in a once saved, always saved. I'm talking about if you're going to every day wake up and follow Jesus. And so I went to SFA. I was interested in spiritual things, but I was dating this guy that I had met at like fish camp. Jack, they called it Jack camp. Does that, does UT have that? I actually don't know. Yeah. You just get here, right? So uh, yeah. And so I met this guy named Brian at orientation or fish camp. We called it Jack camp. And, and so we started dating the day we got to campus, pretty much. You know, it was like, when you get to SFA, we're going to date. And so it's a bad idea. I don't recommend it. You're already past that, so I can't, like, go back in time and warn y'all. But maybe for those that go before you, I don't really recommend um, hitching your wagon to somebody because then you don't meet anybody, right? Because you just want to hang out with Brian. And so I met Brian. I wanted to hang out with Brian. Brian was not a Christian, but I was like, oh, whatever. It's it's college. Let's have – let's. that sounds so promiscuous. I just mean – do what you want, YOLO, I'm in college now. And so Brian and I dated for a few weeks, six weeks, really. And at the sixth week, Brian said, and I'm going to, I'll speak honestly because it's college ministry, okay? So we can be transparent with each other, right? Well, really, it's one way. I'm going to be transparent with y'all. So this guy, Brian, who wasn't a Christian, he, he wasn't actually like a Christian. And he said, we don't have to have sex, but you need to keep me interested. That was the phrase. And I don't, I mean, yeah, the ladies are giving me a look. Jaws are dropping. But the dude wasn't a Christian. I was dating a guy who wasn't a Christian. He was a friend. 
I'm going to speak inappropriately. He was a freshman in college. And so, but that was for me, God uses all things, a time where I had to step back and say, am I really going to follow Jesus? Am I really going to follow Jesus with every part of my being, everything I'm doing? Am I all in for Jesus with every part of my life? And so about six weeks into SFA, I didn't recommit my life to Christ. I wasn't totally a prodigal, but I had to re-up because I was 18 and I was living on my own and I can do whatever I wanted. And I decided I want to follow Jesus with my life because he's asking me to. And this is what this means for me in this season. So that conversation with Brian in, in very small ways changed my life. So I stopped hanging out with Brian all the time and I made friends and those friends and we tried out college ministries like all y'all do. And I ended up at the BSM and there's BSM here. Y'all do BSM? Yeah, we got fist pumps. Yeah. So I ended up at the BSM at Stephen F. Austin and I got really involved there my whole my whole time. And so I studied abroad my last semester. I went to Costa Rica because at SFA, I was education major and I saw a flyer and it said, you can student teach in Costa Rica. And I was like, check, check, check. I'll do that. So me and I got two of my friends to go because it's college and that's what you do. And so I was a gatherer. So I gathered all my friends and we spent this last, my last semester in Costa Rica. And when I was in Costa Rica, student teaching, I realized what I really loved was more the shepherding side of the student thing than the teaching side of the student thing. And so I felt God using that, and I was emailing back and forth with BSM leadership, and I went on. I came back, graduated, and instead of going teaching, I went on staff with the BSM, and so I felt a call to ministry during some of that uh, student, up-close student time, because I really loved, like, the end of class, when I got to talk to him. And I'm not saying that those of y'all called the teaching don't also love the students, but it was clear God used that for me, that I needed to go try out full-time ministry. And so I went to, on staff at a BSM in West Texas, at this little junior college I never heard of called South Plains College. Yes. Do you know it? Yes. Okay. Are you from Panhandle? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Oh, ma'am. <laughs> I am, but I am, but I am. I, I hate to say it, but I am getting up there to where I'm close to probably double y'all's age. So I don't want to go into the numbers, but it's true. Uh, where are you from? I'm in the rural area. Yeah, yeah, okay. Called? Vega. Vega. I know Vega. My husband's from Amarillo. I know, well, I just know it. I mean, of it, yeah. But I was in Leveland at South Plains College. I never heard of it. But I had a great experience, and God used that. And I felt affirmed in ministry. Do you know West Texas as well? I know. Yeah, I know. Really, I'm like, Whoa. Where are you? I'm in the Perryton. I know Perryton. Michaela, who was in our, she was a senior when y'all were here, is in Perryton now. Yeah. Anyway. Whatever. Uh, anyway, so I was in Leveland. God used that in my life. I was there two and a half years. To, to affirm full-time ministry. Felt like I didn't know what I was doing, like many of y'all. So what do you do? You go get education. So I went to Baylor and did graduate school at Truett Seminary. I spent four years down there. That's where I met my husband. And then I moved up here. I was the, so I finished, I have a Master of Divinity. Um, talk to me about seminary if you want to. In fact, our friend Memory, are you graduating in December with your Master of Divinity from Truett Seminary? Yeah. So... I did what memory did. I felt called to get more education and get trained and equipped. And so I did that. And then I was looking for jobs after that. And I have a really cool call story about that. But we haven't even gotten to the text yet. So I'm going to slip through that. And then I came up here and I felt the affirmation from God. Uh, basically, I was praying at the end of semester of the, my last semester of seminary. I prayed, God, I think you want me to be a college minister at a moderate Baptist church. You don't have to know what that means. It means something to me next to a state school. <laughs> but I don't think those jobs exist. So Lord, send me wherever you want. And here I am. So I got the job here and felt called here, did that for six years, and then this transition to the thing. I married Ryan along the way, and then last year, it'll be a year in November, we had, do y'all know this? We had 
triplets. So I am the mother of triplets, jaws dropping all over the place. And so I did, oh, I forgot, uh, Tabitha's not clicking for me. I got the power. So Tabitha, help me out. Oh, I don't have the power. There we go. I didn't turn the clicker on. I'm sorry. That's me. These are my boys. <laughs> so, so I skipped. Yeah, okay, think of, let it settle in. So I skipped out on bedtime tonight. I haven't even been home yet. Some friends came over and helped. So, you know, at 7.30. Oh, it's, it's 8 now. So this is Jack on the left and Ben in the middle, Benjamin, and Sam on the, on the side. So Jack, Ben, and Sam are my 10-month-old triplets. And you just learned for the first time. Anybody else's first time? How many of y'all go to big church across the street? So you see me sometimes. So if you've been journeying with us in here for a while, the church has been great, but we talk about it a lot because they have really helped keep us alive. And in fact, our friends that are at the house right now are my church friends. One of them, Kara Milton. Y'all know Kara? So Kara has traded the college ministry for, you know, she's helping Ryan get them to bed. So I appreciate them. So I think that catches y'all up on who I am and my life to this very date. So those are my boys and I love them, but it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm not going to lie. So anyway, let's do it. Okay. Anybody bring a Bible? You want to pull it up and walk with me through this? I'm going to, whoa, tonight Connor asked me to speak on John 15, which is where Jesus talks and he says to his disciples, when we'll look at it, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And y'all's, y'all's, um, Theme for this semester is, do you know it? Oh, Connor, feel affirmed. Feel affirmed. That's so good. Yes, it's fruitfulness. And so we're looking at probably one of the core verses where you see fruitfulness played out, or at least Jesus' kind of call for fruitfulness with his people. So uh, Tripp, who led us earlier, gave us context for the scripture, and I always appreciate that. So the context for this, and y'all know there are four gospels. You know the same with me? That's great. I'll tell y'all, when I got to SFA, I did not know a lot about the Bible. I probably knew that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John were Gospels, but people talked about some things, and they just assumed everybody in the room knew them, and they didn't. People kept talking about Paul, who Paul wrote like a third of the New Testament, but I didn't know that. And so everybody at the BSM would say like, well, Paul says, or Paul does this, and I literally thought Paul was a senior that had graduated, and was just like super wise, and I was like, I need to meet Paul. Me and Paul need to... Yeah, and it turns out Paul is an apostle who wrote the New Testament. So he's super dead, dead, but alive in Christ. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in the book of John, the book of John is the most distinct from the other three. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke probably had some of the same source material, and John just has a different flavor. He probably knew they existed, but he probably wasn't writing with them right there. So there are things in John that are nowhere else. Part of that is John 13, 14, 15, and 16 are called the farewell discourse. And you only get this little section, these stories in the book of John. John's the same guy that wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the revelation of John. So this is all kind of cohesive. It's a big part of the New Testament. But if you want this great chapter on abiding in Christ, you're only going to find it in John, which is wild because it's so formative, right? And there's other things that are in some and not others, but... um, Everything in 13, 14, 15, and 16 is really meaningful and really good. I'd like you to read it, but we're just going to look at 15 together. So the setting is Jesus is in the upper room, which basically Jesus is with his disciples. Right before this, he washes their feet. Do you remember that scene? He knows that he's going to go die, 
and he knows that he's going to leave them, and he knows that they're going to freak out, right? Because they have given up everything to follow him. Jesus, I mean, y'all can see those scenes. He says, you know, drop your whole life and follow me. He says that to people that are like tax collectors. So they can't just go back and be tax collectors. They, they know better. They're going to do better. And so these followers, this intimate group of people, have said to Jesus, I'm going to give up everything to follow you. I'm all in. And Jesus knows he's about to go die and, and leave them, right? They're feeling betrayed. They could feel betrayed. So in leading up to this, in 14 before, he just promises them the Holy Spirit. He says, it's for your good that I leave you. I'm going to give you the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to be your companion. And then he has 15, and even in 16, he returns to the Spirit because he's like, y'all, I'm leaving you, but it's better that I'm leaving you, which is a crazy promise for Jesus to make. I, Jesus Christ, I'm going to leave you, and you're going to like it. <laughs> Not a good thing. So in the middle of that, he's kind of giving them this, this transaction, this, hey, I'm going to leave you, but here's some instruction for what you can do and be okay. Y'all's life is insane. It is hard to be a college student in this culture, in this context right now. I graduated like 15 years ago from college. I'm older. It was different then than it is now. You have a lot of choices. Sometimes you feel like an idiot for believing certain things, following Jesus, trying to follow Jesus. You don't know what you believe when you're trying to follow Jesus, thinking about following Jesus. It could be disorienting, right? You could feel on the edge, a little bit scared. So I think that you can relate to these disciples in the upper room. They're companioning with Jesus, but he is about to really rock their world. And he's saying some things that comfort them that invite them into life with him so they're not going to feel like they're just floating in the universe without a leader, without a king. And so think about that when you hear Jesus. I'm going to read the first 17 verses of chapter 15. So John 15, this is Jesus looking at his disciples whom he loves and giving them instruction, okay? I am the true vine, and my Father, God, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That word there, clean, in Greek, it can mean pruned or clean. It's a double, like Greek, you know, uh, in English too, words mean the same thing. So it's almost like John's doing a play on words. Anything the Father prunes is gone. You're clean because of the words I spoke to you. That word prune and clean is the same word there. Keep going. Verse 4. Remain in me. Yours might say abide. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he says it again. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, verse 9 to the end. You got it. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. He's talking to his disciples, his closest followers. 
love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's lives, one's life for his friends, which he's about to do that, right? You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will do and give to you. This is my command. Love one another. Okay, we did it, right? You'll see how this starts out in chapter 15. It says, I am. You know, in the book of John, it's one of these specific things to the book of John. Jesus has these big statements, these I am statements, and there's seven of them in the book of John. Can you think of any of the other ones? I am the way. I am the gate. I'm the light of the world. Remember that one? So, um, oh, I forget. I'm the clicker on this. So, Jesus used the most common materials they had, things that they would relate to, right? So, when he says, I am the bread of life, everybody had bread, right? So, he, so he's, they're eating bread, and he's saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm using what you have. A modern equivalent, this is, this is the spirit working. I said, what, I am the Chick-fil-A. You, you know, might not, like, go home and bake loaves of bread. Some of you might, but, like, I bet y'all are throwing down on the Chick-fil-A. Um, okay, I was talking with Tabitha about this. I didn't write all these. I didn't do all seven. But if you're going to say, like, I am the gate, I am the gate to the sheep, what would be a modern equivalent? I don't know. What do you think? You're the, you're the what? The TSA? I am the TSA. What a good connotation for Jesus. Okay. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I think that one's still quite relevant, right? We still have light. So, okay. The one we're looking at, he says, I'm the true vine. I'm the vine and you're the branches. Do any of y'all garden? You do? Okay. Do, do any of y'all have a, have a vineyard? No. You microwave? Oh, you would like one. Yeah. And, and I hope that one day you have one. And so, and I showed a picture. Y'all probably know what that is. But here's my, my best at what I think maybe a modern equivalent of, of this is that you can relate to, right? I am the internet and you are the router. Now, okay, think about it. Think about it. Take it in. Now, I know now y'all do everything on your phones, even that this is maybe even a dated metaphor, but, and all metaphors fall short, right? And we'll talk about why this isn't that. But we just moved into a new house in June, late June. And it was supposed to be where with AT&T, we could just take our router because that house already had the equipment. And so take this little black router and plug it into the wall. And then we'd have internet in our new place because we had called and they had talked to us about it. So we get to the new place and we plug the cord in the wall and all the lights are red. And so in that moment, I will tell y'all, I did not care that I had a router because what do I really want? The internet. The valuable thing in the vine and the branches, where the power's coming through, all the sustenance, all the goody, it's the vine and the branches get to bear the fruit, right? The, the branches get it because they're on the vine. The internet is really what people want. The router is the medium through which it goes. Now, obviously, this can fall short because one, uh, the internet doesn't care about the router. I think God cares about you. <laughs> so you're not, you're not just a conduit for the gospel. You're actually beloved by God. So that's important for me to tell you. Um, this is our abiding in Jesus is an organic relationship. It grows. We grow with it. 
a little black piece of electronic never grows, it never changes, right? It just works or it doesn't. But I, I think if Jesus was talking to this world, he would probably talk about something about the internet and connectivity and all of those things. And so I think that's important with y'all. What I want you to catch from all of this, what word was used more than anything in all of this? This, this, this idea of abiding or remaining, the fruitfulness, yes. And so what I want you to hear and I want us to talk about is when you remain on the vine or abide with Jesus, what does that mean and what do you gain from it? Here's what I think it means. In the Greek, it, it literally means to stay or remain. We don't really use abide, but that's like to live in. You think of an abode, someone's abode. They're like living and camping with Jesus. There's a Hebrew word that I really like that you don't have to memorize, but it's it's called betok, and it's used in the Psalms when it says, I trust in the Lord. It's the word trust, but it has a sister word in Hebrew that's that's about a watermelon and the way a watermelon clings to the vine. So it's a clinging trust. So like, Lord, I trust in you because it's a life-giving, clinging trust. And I think when you think about abiding in Jesus, if you remain on the vine, it's kind of a clinging trust. It's that betok of the Old Testament. And when you remain on the vine, you grow, and you gain, and you get to bear fruit. Did y'all grow up in church singing a song about the fruit of the Spirit? I learned a different one than y'all because I grew up Methodist. This is what I learned when I hang out with Baptists. So mine is like more, um, more of a more of a samba, I suppose, but uh, do y'all know it? You want to sing it real quick? See, see me, y'all. The fruit of the spirit. See, I don't know any of that. I don't know any of that. But, but okay, that's Paul, the guy that I learned about. Paul says, the fruit of the spirit within you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So you gain some of that by being in it. So I want to talk to you about this. What do you gain? Fruit. Does the Bible really mean fruit? Yes, that word in Greek is really the word for fruit, but it's a metaphor. Can we handle metaphors? Yes, so what does it really mean for us? It's that which grows, that which grows from what it originates from. And so if you abide in Jesus, you get to grow as the fruit on the vine, and you get to bear fruit, which he talks about. And so I want to talk about three things you gain, okay? Can you hang with me for three things? Three things you gain when you abide in Jesus. The first one, I forgot, I'm the clicker, is belonging. Everybody wants to belong. You can pretend like you don't want to, but you come to college, you want to find your people, you want to have friends, and you want to have a place. This is what Jesus talks about. If you still have your Bibles open, we can look. Verses 15 and 16. Here's what Jesus says to his followers. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. Jesus is talking to his people, and he says, you are my friend. It's a big deal. And then he goes on to say this. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Jesus chooses them. He invests in them. And he gives them a place of belonging and a people. When y'all choose to follow Jesus, the, the community of God, the Jesus-loving people that you choose to be with, if it's a BSM, if it's here on the church, they give you a place of belonging. And with Jesus, you get called and you're known. You're fully known and fully loved, says Henry Nouwen. That's a big deal. It's vulnerable to be fully known. And sometimes when you expose your whole self to somebody, you can be rejected with God. Through Christ, there's no rejection. You're fully belonging to the people of God. And you get purpose. So verse 5, what a strong statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then Jesus talks about just trimming, trimming the branches that don't do anything for him. And then in 16, he says, I chose and appointed you so that you can go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What a good statement, fruit that will last. You can invest in a lot of things that won't last. 
Jesus says, if you abide in me, fruit's going to come that's going to last. And it's going to make a difference. It's going to matter. So you have purpose in life. Belonging and purpose. Katie, what more could there be? There's one more thing. Let me tell you. Let's not overlook this one. I think there's a misperception sometimes that Christians have, they're lame, right? We're lame. We don't have a lot of fun. And our lives are kind of wooden and starchy and static, right? Jesus comes and he says, I want you to have life and life to the full. And then he says right here in verse 11, I told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. If you back it up to the chapter before it, he says, my peace I leave with you. So life with Christ, full of joy, full of peace. I'll say this, belonging, purpose, and joy. The whole world wants it. Jesus offers it. When you receive that, you get to offer it back to them. This is the Christian way, right? There's an the Surgeon General of the United States who manages all the medical stuff for the government uh, has said that there's an epidemic of loneliness. Have you all heard this, these statistics? There's an epidemic of loneliness in our culture, and our country, loneliness being the perception that you don't have anybody. They said it's equivalent to your health as pa- smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Or maybe it's 15 cigarettes a day. Someone told me there's 20 cigarettes in a pack. We're of the age where we don't know that anymore, which is a good thing. We've replaced it with weird stuff, but we don't know about cigarettes. But uh, the equivalent to your health of smoking essentially a pack a day, that's what just the perception of loneliness and not having anyone does to your system and to your body. And so I think if you've, if you've come here, talk to y'all, looking y'all in the eyes, and you feel a little bit like you don't have a place or a purpose or joy, you might feel like you're part of the loneliness epidemic. I'm not saying we can fix it in a day, but I'm saying that the people of God through abiding in his presence, get to gain all of that. And you actually get a people, and you get a purpose, and you get to experience the fruit of the Spirit we sang about, the joy and peace and patience and fulfillment that Jesus offers. So if you think following Jesus is lame, it can be like me in college not getting to date Brian. I guess that could be lame. But the trade-off is abiding life with Christ bears fruit all over the place of joy and patience. I I over um I walked in on a fight today, which was oh, disorienting in a coffee shop. And I thought and someone had just uh, snapped at somebody else. So I kind of got I kind of meddled in a pastoral way. <laughs> but I uh they someone said they, they just pushed my buttons. And the, that person, now I'm not saying they weren't Christian, but in that moment, they did not have the abiding presence of Jesus that gave them patience in the moment. Instead, somebody pushed the right buttons and they and they popped at them, right? The offer that Jesus has is the longer you spend time with him, the longer you remain on the vine and you're his disciple, like he's talking to his people, the longer you get to exhibit life in the spirit, which gives you belonging and purpose and joy. And the longer you journey with them, then you get to turn around and invite others into that. And they can experience the belonging, purpose, and joy of Jesus, which I would say is a good summary statement of fruitfulness and of maybe the kingdom of God and the potential that it gives you. Uh, and so with that, I want to say this. And y'all, I'm ending. I don't know if the band comes back up or I'll land the plane however you want. I'm not very good at slides. I don't remember if I have anything else. Oh, that's the last thing. So we'll talk about that. So I think one, my invitation for y'all tonight is if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, if you've never said I'm all in, then you can do that. And you don't have to make a big show of it, 
but it'd be good to tell somebody because we'll probably ask you to get baptized, which is a public display. Um, but you can do that tonight. You can know God through Jesus and you can experience purpose, belonging, and joy. If you've already done that, I would invite you to just double down and be all in because it's when you remain in Christ that you get the fruit. You don't get to just pop in and out. You, you don't. You get to because God is gracious, but I'm telling you there's a deeper life with Christ if you show up to him, to community, to each other. Uh, you get to experience some of this, and all of a sudden you realize, uh, I have deeper joy. I'm connected to my purpose. I feel like I belong, and I can give others a place to belong. And then my third thing for you all is, if you're doing all that, this is a good gift that we can hold up to the world. Salvation in Christ that gives you all this life. Don't hold it to yourself. Don't hide it under a bushel, as we sang in VBS. Uh, it's okay to share it with the world. The world actually is, is um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And you don't have to be a worker like Lily, like go like like official, put your badge on. You can just be a worker like someone who loves God and has experienced his goodness. And you might want to invite somebody else just to think about it. Um, and so with that, I think y'all are going to break into some groups and talk about it. So do you know Jesus? Are you doing what you need to do to abide with Jesus? And if you are, can you share him with somebody?